You are listening to a podcast produced by the New Zealand Centre for Political Research. Follow this and our other podcasts on nzcpr.com. Welcome to our podcast for the 9th of September 2023, presented by Dr. Muriel Newman. Information provided under the Official Information Act has revealed that the Ardern Labour government paid $500,000 to buy editorial comment in two of our major mainstream news outlets. The features did not disclose it was paid content, which undermines everything we expect from an industry that claims to be trustworthy and reliable. The articles reinforced the government's position on climate change. They portrayed a climate emergency that some are saying is based on false assumptions that have been proven wrong but never corrected. It's time our politicians fronted up to these errors and said why they are continuing to promote a false narrative. Here's Muriel Newman. Over recent years, there's been a noticeable increase in alarmist climate change news coverage around the time of the United Nations Annual Conference of Parties. This international talk fest attracts tens of thousands of climate activists who jet in from all over the world to discuss how to reduce human emissions of carbon dioxide. We now know that in 2022, Jacinda Ardern's Labour government contributed to the hype using taxpayer funding. They disseminated climate change propaganda as news. The Official Information Act has revealed that half a million dollars worth of advertising was bought during that period from two major news outlets, TV New Zealand and Stuff. The $300,000 worth of advertising purchased from TV New Zealand generated a wide range of coverage. It bought an hour-long primetime Sunday climate news special on TV One, along with 12 months of on-demand hosting on TVNZ+, a dedicated web page, digital banners, logo placement and pre-roll commercials. In addition, five articles appeared on the One News website. There were five social media posts, a week's worth of interviews with government influencers on Breakfast TV and a seven-sharp interview with an ambassador for the Energy Efficiency and Conservation Authority. The $200,000 worth of advertising published by Stuff also delivered wide coverage. Five articles were published on the Stuff website along with display and video advertising across their site. There were five newspaper articles in their magazines, five stories in Neighbourly, and a dedicated digital hub for all the content. Given the significant influence the media has on public opinion, the revelation that Labour's been paying media companies to promote their climate agenda to appear like news instead of advertising raises serious questions about the integrity of the media. In response to queries from journalist Chris Lynch, TVNZ is reported as saying it was standard practice for governments to advertise with media companies, but channeling those advertisements as news content and television shows was unorthodox. NZME's editor-at-large Shane Curry 
revealed that TVNZ admitted sponsorship logos were missing from some of the content they ran, and he outlined their editorial code of conduct for the Herald and other outlets meant that sponsored content had to be clearly marked as such. For media companies to publish sponsored material as news without tagging the content as sponsored is deceptive. It cannot in any way be justified or excused. It undermines everything we expect from an industry that claims to have professional standards. Equally as bad is the Labour government's willingness to manipulate the media and the public to advance its climate alarmist agenda. Since Kiwis are being deliberately deceived over climate change, let's examine the truth. First of all, it's important to remember that while the government maligns carbon dioxide as a dangerous greenhouse gas, it is necessary for life on Earth. Through photosynthesis, plants convert carbon dioxide into the food and oxygen needed to sustain life. If carbon dioxide levels were to fall below 150 parts per million, life on our planet would eventually die out. Current levels of carbon dioxide are 420 parts per million. The higher they are, the greener the planet and the more food that's produced. When CO2 levels were around 2,000 parts per million, plant growth was so vigorous it could sustain the dinosaurs. When carbon dioxide increases, as it has many times during the Earth's history, temperature does not increase in proportion. The reason is that the relationship between carbon dioxide and air temperature is logarithmic, not linear. That means that large increases in CO2 lead to ever smaller increases in temperature. Princeton University's Emeritus Professor of Physics, William Happer, has described this as saturation. Each additional 100 parts per million increase in CO2 in the atmosphere causes a smaller and smaller change in temperature. He said that doubling CO2 concentrations from 400 parts per million to 800 parts per million would only diminish the thermal radiation to space by about 1.1%. What this means is that from now on, our emissions from burning fossil fuels could have little impact on global warming. He's of the view that we could emit as much CO2 as we like with very little warming effect. And that explains why temperatures were not catastrophically high over the hundreds of millions of years when CO2 levels were 10 to 20 times higher than they are today. In his view, there is no climate emergency. There is no threat at all. It's a similar story with methane, New Zealand's other main greenhouse gas. As British climate researcher Dr Wilson Flood explained more than a decade ago, the quantity of methane in the air is so small that even a doubling would not produce any appreciable warming. Dr Flood also pointed out that since the warming ability of methane is only seven times that of carbon dioxide, cows and sheep cannot contribute to global warming in any conceivable way. In spite of basic science revealing that human-induced greenhouse gas emissions cannot threaten the planet, in 2020 Jacinda Ardern declared a climate emergency. She claimed climate change is one of the greatest challenges of our time.
that it's not only a threat to life, but that it's responsible for increased droughts, floods and storms. That's despite the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change finding there's insufficient evidence to prove any long-term increase in the frequency of extreme weather events. That is consistent with the conclusion reached by Bjorn Longberg, who found that the number of extreme weather events around the world is falling. Despite all this, the Labour government treats every natural disaster, including Cyclone Gabriel, as evidence of man-made global warming. Sky meteorologist Rob Sharp expressed a different view. Late last year, he explained that a key factor driving our region's wetter weather was the eruption of Tonga's powerful underwater volcano. In January 2022, it blasted such vast quantities of water into the upper atmosphere that it increased water vapour in the stratosphere by around 20%. As a result, he predicted a flooded summer, and a flooded summer we had. Despite such realities, Labour and the Greens continue to misrepresent science and manipulate media coverage. Their false modelling and alarmist narratives are now so deeply embedded in New Zealand's legislative and regulatory framework that nothing short of a major overhaul of climate policy will be able to fix it. Two changes in particular must be prioritised. The first is the continuing use in all of New Zealand's climate modelling of an assumption called RCP 8.5 that's now been discredited by the United Nations. Based on the impossible scenario that coal is used for all energy needs, not only for generating all electricity but for transportation as well, it has led to predictions that by 2100, global temperatures could increase by up to 5 degrees Celsius and sea levels could rise by over a metre. Although the UN has now dropped RCP 8.5 from all policy making, Labour has not had it removed from New Zealand's climate models. This means predictions of impossibly high emissions are still impacting on the Emissions Trading Scheme, the Climate Commission, NIWA, the Ministry for the Environment, local authorities and every government agency. As a result, New Zealand's carbon prices are far higher than they should be, with all households paying the price through elevated costs for petrol, food and all other goods and services within our economy. For farmers, the situation is even worse. While the UN has finally admitted their prediction that livestock methane is 28 times more potent as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide is wrong and that it should be 7, this mistake has not been corrected by Labour. That leaves farmers still facing the threat of penalties that are four times greater than they should be. Labour's continued use of these discredited measures within their zero carbon agenda, the emissions trading scheme and the work of the Climate Commission amounts to a deliberate deception of New Zealanders and an unaffordable cost to the country. Since up to 70% of Labour's climate targets will need to be met by purchasing carbon credits through offshore mitigation schemes, 
Treasury's Climate, Economic and Fiscal Assessment 2023 estimates that by 2030, the cost of climate policies will be an eye-watering $25 billion. Treasury says it will consume 28% of new operating expenditure between the years 2024 and 2030, and it will be, quote, a significant financial risk to the country. If our climate models used realistic scenarios and the correct value for methane, New Zealand would not even need an emissions trading scheme, a carbon tax or all of the other myriad of climate regulations that have been imposed on the country. This week's NZCPR guest commentator is Brian Leyland, a power systems engineer. He says if New Zealand accepted the latest information from the IPCC technical reports that tell us that RCP 8.5 should be replaced by a more realistic scenario, current predictions of future sea level rise and a rapid rise in temperatures would be replaced by more realistic scenarios that can be managed by adaptation. Brian also says that if the IPCC new revised methane figures was accepted, farm emissions would no longer be a problem. And he points out that Article 2 of the Paris Agreement excludes measures that reduce agricultural productivity. So why are we doing just that? To quote Brian, all the research that my friends and I have carried out demonstrate quite clearly that there's no scientific evidence based on real-world data that supports the belief that man-made greenhouse gases cause dangerous global warming. None. No one has been able to disprove the hypothesis that the climate changes naturally and man-made global warming plays only a small part. Which leads to the obvious solution. Abandon net zero, abandon the emissions trading scheme, stop subsidising electric cars, forget about agricultural greenhouse gases and rejoice that the increasing levels of carbon dioxide are making our plants grow better and making us all more prosperous. It would save billions of dollars that we're squandering on a totally futile effort to change the world's climate. End quote. The upcoming election provides voters with an opportunity to press candidates for answers regarding climate policies. Candidates need to be asked firstly whether they're aware that New Zealand's climate models are based on alarmist measures that have been discredited by the IPCC. And secondly, whether their party intends ignoring the errors and continuing on with Labour's climate deception, or whether they'll pledge to correct the errors and fix the climate models. The media too needs to start asking the hard questions that should have been asked long ago. Why did Labour fail to correct their climate models once the assumptions on which their projections are based were discredited by the UN's IPCC? And secondly, whether their party intends ignoring the errors and continuing on with Labour's climate deception, or whether they will pledge to correct the errors and fix the climate models. The media too needs to start asking the hard questions that should have been asked long ago. Why did Labour fail to correct their climate models once the assumptions on which their projections are based were discredited by the IPCC? 
that's it for this week. Don't forget to visit www.nzcpr.com if you'd like to register for our free newsletter, take part in our poll or access a treasure chest of valuable information. See you soon. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by NZCPR Media.